Did you know that one week from today, on March 21st, it's World Down Syndrome Day? I'm very proud of the timing of this interview as we not only heighten awareness about children with Down syndrome, but we hear a wonderful testimony from one of my dear friends about exactly what that undergoing looks like with some great advice for all mothers of children with different abilities. Be sure to check the episode notes for some key links and head to my social media over the next week for some more information about World Down Syndrome Day. Hi there, you found Drop the Ball with Gina Kuhn, and I'm so excited to give you the opportunity to join a community of women that realize every day women everywhere are dropping the ball. Let's move past the feeling that we're letting people down and embrace ourselves as the rock stars that we are. Through stories from my personal journey and interviews with imperfectly strong women around the country, I invite you to embrace the idea that you choose the proverbial ball you get to drop. Together, we'll put down the past, let go of the future, and pick up the present. Through reflection and a shift in mindset and priorities, I'll help you redesign your chaos so you can redefine your life. Next time someone asks, how do you do it all? Your answer will be, I dropped the ball. Hi, Amanda. I'm so happy to have you with us today. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Excellent. So why don't we just get right to it and introduce yourself. Tell us a bit about you, your family. So I am a single mom of four children. My oldest is 18. I have a 14-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a six-year-old. I have run an in-home daycare for the last 14 years out of my house. I got a divorce and six years ago now, I think it is. And um, just living life and raising these children and making sure they're good humans your hands are full yes <laughs> <laughs> but so is your heart I mean they're amazing um for anyone who doesn't know Amanda and I are friends for a very long time and um so I know all of her kids and I've watched them growing up and you do have such a wonderful family so you're very blessed thank you so all right you you work in a daycare, you run a daycare. So you've had contact with probably hundreds of children in the length of your career, I would assume, right? I I probably couldn't even count all of them. (laughs) So today's topic, and I prefaced it in the intro, but today's topic, we are focusing on neurodivergent children. So the first thing I wonder is, if your relationship with your youngest daughter, Madeline, was, is she the first that you've had a relationship with a neurodivergent child? He is the first close relationship I've had. I have worked with children with, you know, different disabilities and different abilities. And, um, but I've never had a close relationship with any of them. It's really just been like an acquaintanceship. Um, and so she is. She is my first child um, with special needs. She it was um, very unexpected, and um, it, you know, I had no idea what what I was walking into. 
Right. And coming off of last week's episode, you're, you're the reason why we read the gift of the unexpected. So I find it interesting as well, even just the way you just worded that, that it, it was unexpected. Was her pregnancy in general unexpected? I feel like fourth kids tend to be an unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, her pregnancy was planned. Uh, okay. It was very sought out. And she, you know, when um, I found out I was pregnant with Madeline, I had been in marriage counseling. My marriage was at a really rocky place at that time. And um, my now ex-husband looked at me in marriage counseling and said that he had a void and I felt like I wasn't being a good wife. He wanted another baby and I didn't. I was content with our children and he felt a void. And so I wanted to give him that. I wanted to make sure that he didn't ever have a void in his life. And so I immediately started praying for God to really, if it's meant for me to have a baby, then give me that baby. But either way, this baby was going to bring me joy. And I prayed that prayer. I can't even tell you how many times. I mean, I would stand in my shower every night and I would pray that, you know, whatever joy was going to look like, it, it was going to come from this. And um, I almost changed her name to joy. Like that's how much I prayed <laughs> that one prayer over and over again. Um, and I got pregnant very quickly. It didn't take long at all. And we were so excited for this baby. And um, I, I don't know if you want me to go into all of that detail yet or how you, you know. You are <laughs> flowing. So, I mean, okay. I will just stop um, to say, though, that knowing what I know, knowing what I know yeah. of your story, it's really just amazing to me, God's work. Because yeah. like you said, you prayed for her. You prayed for the joy that she would bring you in whatever way it would be. And my goodness, did you not know what lay ahead of you? I had no idea. And it was crazy because I decided I didn't do genetic testing with any of my other kids. And uh, but I wanted to find out the gender. I, we were so excited to have this new baby. And we wanted to know if it was a boy or a girl. And we wanted to do the big gender reveal and all of the, you know, the new cool stuff. And so um, I was like 12 weeks pregnant and I was waiting for that genetic testing to come back. And um, I'll never forget the day. I was standing in my kitchen with my best friend and um, the phone rings and it's the doctor's office. And I immediately answer the phone and I say, oh my God, don't tell me the gender. I want to do a gender reveal. And it was cold on the other end of that phone. Um, it was not a nurse. It was the doctor. And the doctor calling is never a good sign, right? Doctors right. don't call with good news. And um, the doctor was like, I'm not calling you to tell you the gender of your baby. I am letting you know that there's a 99.7% chance that your baby has Down syndrome and you need to come into the office to discuss it. And I was, I froze. I can't tell you what else he said to me. I can't tell you how I told my then husband. Um, I can't really tell you much after that. I just know I froze and I stood in my kitchen with my best friend and I cried and that was it. Um, and so then, you know, late our next appointment, we go in and we pick up the sealed envelope and I have this doctor look at me and tell me, um, you know, you have the option to abort this baby. 
And I was like heartbroken. How are you going to tell me that I have that option now? Like I prayed for this baby. This is the baby that I, that God placed in me that I really felt was given to me to provide joy for, for me. And, um, it was just, it was an awful experience. And the pregnancy was just so full of appointments and testing and heart testing. Cause when you find out, I feel like when you find out so early on, they are going to be extremely cautious with everything they, they do with her. And so they checked for everything possible. Um, a ton of heart EKGs and testing her heart, testing her lungs, her kidneys. I mean, everything. It was so crazy. And so I was, um, it, pregnancy was just a blur. It just went by so quickly. I felt like I wasn't able to enjoy it. Um, all at the same time, going through marriage counseling and it was just a crazy season of life. And on August 23rd, Madeline was born. And uh, it was, I looked at her for the first time. And I was like, I don't see Down syndrome. Like I see my baby. Like, I don't yeah. know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> and there's really at birth, like a moment of grievance of like, wait a minute, she doesn't have Down syndrome. And then reality sets in. All of the testing starts all over again. All of mm. the... um doctors and nurses and family they don't know what to say because nobody really knows how to you know what do you say you don't know you were expecting something but you just you don't know how to handle the situation and it's almost like a grieving process and uh, that started all over again that whole grieving process just it started again and it was it was a lot but um I knew that she was given to me for a reason and I knew I was gonna fight and we were gonna have challenges but we were gonna make it <laughs> That was, that was it. Yeah. And you have, I mean, we are at six and a half years later and she is wonderful. And we're going to hear so much more of the story of how you've been supporting her and the wonderful gift yeah. that you are to each other. But now you brought up family and friends and people not really knowing what to say or how to act. So I'm curious about the initial expectations or maybe limits that people immediately put on her, whether it was the doctor or the family or friends, like how was, what was that like? Um, I was told from day one that I'll never forget a doctor looking at me and telling me she won't walk until she's 26 months old, 26 to 28 months old. I was like, baloney. Okay. <laughs> and they're like, she won't talk. She'll struggle with feeding. She'll struggle with walking and talking and uh, won't interact with her peers. I mean, they, from the beginning, it was nothing but negative. And, uh, I just knew God put this fire in me and I was like, watch this baby. And that is exactly what has happened. I was like, she is capable. Uh, she met all of her milestones as an infant and a toddler. She's currently in a gen ed first grade class. Um, I always push her to do her very best and to work very hard. And I'm not saying that it's easy or that we don't have struggles because we do. It is not unicorns and rainbows. It is hard, but we just keep pushing. And I am going to continue to push her as long as I can. And no one's going to tell us no. Uh, I won't take no for an answer. You definitely have the personality to fit that bill. So, <laughs> you know, you're very, in the nicest way possible, you're very strong-headed, you're very determined, and it's going to be your way. And if somebody doesn't like what you have to say, you're going to say it again. So yeah. 
so that's really, really important though. And you know, what blows my mind every time is that you've succeeded in having her placed in a jet ed classroom. That in itself is such a feat. It is not easy. And that has probably been one of my biggest challenges, but I will fight it forever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for the parents that are listening, the moms that do have children with different abilities, because I've had people reach out to me and ask for this episode. So you are her biggest advocate. And I feel like it's just innate in the mother, whether we have neurotypical children or children with different abilities that as their moms, we are their biggest advocates, but this has to look so different for you. And I really want to hear, how did you get yourself in a place where you could advocate for her the way that you did? Like what, what resources or advice could you offer parents right now who are struggling with achieving that advocacy for their children? I think a lot of it goes back to having that fire and wanting more for your child, because it breaks my heart when I see parents that just accept what professionals say. They're human. They are not always right. And they don't know your child. You know your child best, right? Like I I can tell you every single thing about all my children. Um, And I think the main things that have helped me is researching. Um, I I can tell you how many online forms I'm on, reading different books, listening to other parents, joining different Facebook groups and asking questions. Like I asked a million questions um, and speaking up. If I don't agree with the professional, there has been doctors, there's been teachers, there's been admin at school, um, nurses. If I don't agree with you, I'm going to ask, I'm going to talk to you about it. I'm not, I'm going to be respectful, but I'm going to ask, I'm going to say, I might not necessarily agree. I want to know why you're doing this, why you feel this way. Um, and really just having some sort of online support has been huge for me. Um, it's hard to go to you know, support groups, you know, in person, because I don't have the time. Um, So I do, I go to a lot of, I have a lot, a lot of online communities that have helped. um, But it's, it's just asking questions and just educating yourself. That's the best way. That's the only way you're going to find out. No one's going to hand this information to you. You're absolutely right. I agree with you. So I want to take it one step further and help out the moms that are listening with that intention Um, So if you could just share with me some of your favorite resources, whether it's a website or a specific group, and I can put it in the episode notes where people who are listening can then go to and grab those resources. That would be really great if you could do that. So I think the number one place that I started gaining resources from is the Down Syndrome Association of Houston. And every major city has a Down Syndrome Association. Um, They have one in New York City. They do a lot of events. I started there and then they have different Facebook groups and um, in different like suburbs of the, of the, you know, larger cities. They provide different events. Um, They do meet, you know, get together nights, group group play dates at parks and um, the zoo and all different kind of things. But that's where it started for me. That was my biggest resource when I first uh, found out Madeline had Down syndrome and she was born. Um, that's what I turned to. And they've just grown from there. Um, they, they provide a ton of different resources and every city has a Down syndrome association that I didn't even know that until I had Madeline. Right, right. 
So excellent. I appreciate that. And I'm going to go a little out of order with what I planned on talking to you about right now, just because it kind of leads right into it. Um, talking about the support and these online communities and different get togethers with people going through the same experience. When we read Jillian Benfield's book, she spoke to the difference between empathy and sympathy and the people who can empathize with your undergoing and your unexpected and the people who can only sympathize. So I just want to speak to or hear from you about how that support does look different. So your friends and your family members who don't have children with different abilities, how do you go to them for support? Because I want, I want listeners to know as well that there are ways that you can ask for support if you're not getting it as well from them. And your family's awesome. So I know you have that. I have an amazing family. They completely back me through everything that I've done. Um, they're always there to listen and to help when and however they can. Um, prior to hiring my special education advocate, my sister, Michelle, she would go with me to every single meeting at the school uh, simply so I had somebody because she didn't know what she was doing. She knew nothing about special education, but she was like, you're not going to this alone. I'm going to stand here by your side. And then I hired my advocate and now my advocate goes with me to everything. But, um, you know, my uh, my mom and my sister, Trisha, they, I can call them at any time. And one, they're there to listen or they're there to take Madeline for a night so I can have a break to feel human and be myself. And my friends, the same thing. And they just they'll listen. I have, can't tell you how many times I've called my best friend and cried to her. And she's like, I don't know what you're going through, but I, I feel your pain and I'm here with you. And, you know, she's there constantly, all of them. And then I have a huge support system of people that do understand. Um, I've, like I said, I've met people through friends that have children with Down syndrome and, they have older children with Down syndrome and I always tell them they're like leading the way for me. So I call Shannon and I'm like, Hey, this is what I'm going through right now with Madeline. What advice her daughter's 15, I think. And, um, she, all the advice that I need and she's great. And she knows what it's like. She's walked this path already. And I always tell her, I'm like, you, you're raising me. Like she's mm -hmm. raising me to be a better mom. And, um, the same thing with my special education advocate, she knows special education laws. And I turn to her for everything. I'm like, girl, I need your help. <laughs> and she's there to help me. Um, they, they're invested. They're invested in me and they're invested in Madeline. And so I think that's, that's what it is. And they, they just take the time, even if it's five or 10 minutes, they take the time to make me feel like we are important to them. I think that's beautiful. The idea of investment, being someone that's willing to invest in others and being able to feel that investment. I think that's a fantastic word and a good perspective for any of our listeners who maybe are wondering, the sympathizers, the people who don't have children with differing abilities, get invested, get connected with your friends, reach out to them if you know that they're struggling with raising children with different abilities and get invested in them and ask them what you can do. That's a great message. It is. And for a parent of having a child with different abilities, they, I will never ask for help. It is very rare. If I'm asking for help, I desperately need it. I don't like asking for help. And I know a lot of moms don't, they, they it's their last resort. And so 
ask them, ask them if you can do anything for them, even if it's just a cup of coffee or spending five minutes making them feel like a woman, like, you know, it matters. Right. That coffee, man, it's, it's always a mood changer. (laughs) So now this is really great to hear because in the very beginning, you told us about your family. So you have four children and we've recently had a conversation how at this particular moment, they're all transitioning as far as school goes. So your oldest is going to be heading to college. Your um, next oldest will be heading to high school. Your boy, who's right there in the middle, um, will be heading to intermediate school. So there's a lot going on and you have so many different aspects of your life in motion right now. So I would like to hear, how have you incorporated all of these huge demands that's caring for Madeline and advocating for her into the rest of the family dynamic? What does that look like for all of you? Oh, the biggest thing is grace. And I struggle with it every day and just allowing myself giving myself grace and allowing myself to say no to things that aren't serving me. And um, I have to make a conscious effort at it every single day. Like I literally have to say, this is not serving me today. And um, my children know that I show up to what I know is important to them. And I might not be able to stay the whole time, but I stay for as long as I can. Uh, I'm just at four different stages of life and they it's teaching them grace as well um, because they're, they're learning that they have to share and they have to, you know, care about what's going on in other people's life. And so I just, I have what my glass balls are, which are super important things that I can't, you know, drop. And then I have things that are my rubber balls every single day. And it changes every day. It might not look the same. Some things that are my glass balls one day might be my rubber, rubber balls the next day. They I'm change so happy daily. You said sometimes. That that's what I preach. <laughs> to the women that I work with in my workshops or when I'm talking to people in small groups. And I, I tell them like, this will change, feel confident in like making this plan, knowing that it's okay. If even tomorrow you have to shift something around. So I'm so happy to hear that you do that. Yeah. It changes every day and sometimes more than once, (laughs) (laughs) but it's definitely a really good mentality for you to intentionally choose grace on a regular basis. And I say intentional because I do get it. Like you're saying it's hard. And sometimes the guilt creeps in or different things like that. And you have to just literally stop and say, it's okay. I'm okay. I'm doing well. Yes, that's exactly it. Well, I am so happy to have heard so much of the pieces of this puzzle from the beginning to now how your family, your friends are involved. You gave such good pieces of advice, including even when you mentioned having a special education advocate. I'm gonna ask you also for some info to maybe plug some moms in. There are some moms that I talk to that don't realize there's such a thing as parent advocates that you can hire that are at your disposal to sit with you at those meetings and such. So, so much great information and now, Back to thinking of all of the children and all of the families that are living this path of having children with Down syndrome, the timing is really awesome that we're listening to this because next Tuesday, March 21st, is World Down Syndrome Day, right? Yes, 
It is. And I am so excited for it. It's one of those days that I just celebrate Madeline. Every day is World Down Syndrome Day for me, right? But I just celebrate her and I love it. And I read that because, you know, I'm educating myself as well. It's on March 21st because of how this actually occurs in gestation. It's a third copy of the 21st chromosome. That's correct, right? That is correct. And it's also Crazy Sock Day because they say the socks represent the chromosomes. And so we, everyone wears crazy socks and we just make it a fun day. So like things got a little crazy, but getting a little crazy is a lot of fun. So we're going to celebrate that. Exactly. Awesome. So for everyone listening, look onto my socials. I'm going to be posting some more information about World Down Syndrome Day and some ways that you can get involved and celebrate it, even if it's just in your own home with your own family. Raising awareness is so key. Amanda, you have done that to such a high level tonight. I'm so appreciative. And like we end every interview, I'm going to ask you to give those action steps for the moms listening right now that are just trying to make this process easier on themselves. What do you got for them? To give yourself grace. That's my number one. And list your glass balls and your rubber balls and accept the fact that they will probably change. Uh, it's okay to say no and set boundaries on something. I set boundaries on things every single day. Um, and so I think that it's okay. Uh, make a decision and stick with it. You know yourself and you know what's going to serve you and make sure that all of your activities are serving you and your family. I love that. The setting boundaries, it applies to so much, but especially as a mom with four kids who all have activities and everything that you do to make sure Madeline is getting the best care and advocacy that she can have, I'm sure sometimes you just have to say no, like you said. You might not be able to do all the things, but you're carefully weighing which ones matter to your children, to you, and go by that. Yeah, just go with your gut on what works best for your family. Yeah, definitely setting boundaries is huge and you know, making some priorities, you know, listing those priorities is really going to make a difference in your life. Get it on paper. Love it. Yes. <laughs> I always say that get things on paper and then communicate it with the people that need to know. And everybody's on the same page. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been one of my favorite episodes to record because you know what? We are so busy that I feel like we don't even get the time as friends to have these conversations the way that we should. So I'm glad we carved out this time for each other. And I'm so happy we have such a platform to be able to share all of this meaningful information with everybody. Yes, thank you for having me. I am so thankful to be here and be able to honor Madeline and um, just raise a little bit of awareness. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Have a great night, Amanda. You too. And that's a wrap on an episode of Drop the Ball. I'm so blessed to have shared this time with you today, and I'm grateful that you tuned in to listen. I hope you're leaving today with something valuable to take with you and some action steps to put into place for your journey. Whether it's just me sharing my insight or we have someone bringing something into view, I ask that you please share this podcast so that others can be affected the way that you were today. 
And I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast so that you can stay up to date with everything that Drop the Ball has to bring in the future. Don't forget to find me and follow me on social so that we can continue the conversation and I can bring more value to you in other ways. And it's a great platform for you to be able to get in touch with me and share your thoughts, your ideas, and your questions for future episodes. And give yourself permission to drop the ball so you can redesign your chaos and redefine your life. This has been Gina Kuhn with Drop the Ball. Drop the Ball.